0: So today we're finishing up our series here, Evidence Part. 10 years ago I was on a missions trip when I was in youth group when I was a youth group kid it felt like every time there was a catastrophe anywhere on the east coast my dad who was our youth pastor said get in the vans we're going to Florida we're going to Georgia we're going wherever we're going to do what we can to help and so 30 40 of us kids would pile in these vans and we'd head down there and we'd stay in churches and you'd be sleeping on sleeping bags on air mattresses after working you know 15 hours in the Florida sun cleaning up after a hurricane or whatever but it was the best it was such a great time and one time, my friend Paul said, I, I want to play a prank. And so he got his hands on some fishing wire. And what he did was is he ran the fishing wire across the room, about 85 feet away or so, to our friend Dave's air mattress. And he put the fishing line on the little part that's supposed to stay popped in so that the air mattress won't deflate. And so he strung it under a bunch of sleeping bags. And, and he got it all ready. And the lights went out. And, and Paul goes, watch this. And so he, he, he pulls it. And we're expecting to hear that pssst. And then Dave going, what's happening to my air mattress? But nothing happened. And so he pulled a little harder, still nothing. He pulled a little harder. And after a few minutes of of pulling really hard, eventually our buddy Dave just like got up and he ran out of the room and he was kind of freaked out. And so the leaders turned the lights on and what's going on, what's happened here? And what happened was because Paul was pulling so hard trying to get that thing to, to deflate, he ended up pulling it out from under Dave and all the way across the room. And so the leaders are looking at my buddy Paul who now has Dave's air mattress and 85 feet, of fishing line next to him gee I wonder who did it right the evidence was overwhelming And I pray that here in this series, you're seeing that the evidence is overwhelming when it comes to Jesus, when it comes to a risen Savior. There is so much evidence. There's not a little bit of evidence. There's not, oh, maybe we have uh, something here that we should focus on, or, or something over there that might give us a little clue as to what happened in the first century. No, there is so much evidence to show us that Jesus can be trusted, that he is alive and well. And we've been talking about this chair, and hey, here it is, all put together, so excited. Here we are, it's stable, all pieces, all 10 of them put together. And we've been talking about, How just like you and I would want to sit in a nice, put together stable chair where every piece is in its proper place. We want the same with our relationship with God and the evidence that we have in him. That the evidence that Jesus is alive isn't just one or two little pieces and they're a little rickety. No, there's ten weeks, ten pieces that we've put together over these last ten weeks to show us Jesus can be trusted. And just like if I sat down in this chair and one little part of it were a little weak, maybe I'd look and try to figure out what's, what's up with this weakness over here. Let me fix this. But the rest of the chair holds me. The same is true in our faith, when we have our faith in just one evidence of Jesus' resurrection, when that little part feels a little wobbly, the whole faith falls apart. But when our faith is in 10 weeks worth of evidence of Jesus back from that grave, then when one little piece comes a little wobbly, we can explore that and the rest of the chair, the rest of our faith, the rest of the evidence still holds us. And so today we're celebrating that 10th piece of the chair. And I think this series is so important right now because life has just been so rough and there's nothing like knowing that there's a risen Savior few weeks ago, we had a nor'easter. You remember that? Winds were blowing like crazy. It was raining like nuts. And near our house, there is a little um, stream. And as I looked at this stream, I realized something out there. I realized that there was this duck on the stream. And I have a picture for you. It's a little bit hard. I have kind of like an external shot, and then I'll zoom in a bit. But between the umbrella and that shed, there is a duck back in there. And we'll zoom in a little bit. And what stood out to me about the duck was it was in this Stream that's normally very low and very slow, but this was raised high and it was running really qu- quickly and rapidly. And I'm looking at this duck, noticing it's swimming upstream. Like it's not going with the current, it's going against the current. It's going against everything that's coming at it, and everything that's coming at it is, ca- is trying to carry it the opposite direction. And I thought to myself, that is us. We are in that exact situation. That's every one of us in this last season swimming against the current, swimming upstream, almost swept away. And in a situation like that, in a world like that, we so badly need to know we have a risen Savior. Amen? We so badly need to know that we have a God who's fighting for us. The 10th piece of the chair is God's way works. Everybody say, God's way works. Now something just happened. Some of you didn't say that phrase back out loud. I don't know who you are, didn't see, couldn't tell. But I would guess here in a room this size or sitting at home watching online that there are people who would not repeat that phrase and you didn't repeat it because you're not sure that that's true. Some of you once thought that was true. You thought with all your heart that God's way worked. You, were growing, you grew up in that or you came to faith later in life and you've been assured that God's way works. But some of you wouldn't say it. Some of you said it, but you really don't believe it. You're struggling with it right now you hope God's way works, you wish God's way works, but if you're looking at maybe some recent circumstances, you're saying, but I've been let down in this way or that way. I've struggled in this way or that way, and and, and it's not lining up. The equation of God, God's way working is, is feeling like it's not adding up on the other side of the equal sign. And so today, if that's you, I want to talk with you about some of that. I want to wrestle with some of that tension and some of that like discomfort that maybe we have as we look at life and say this isn't how it was supposed to be. If God's way worked these things would have been true but how come this is true instead? We're going to wrestle through some of that here today. But some of you guys really, truly already believe God's way works. Some of you are uncertain. And wherever you are in that today, I pray that you're going to be strengthened and encouraged. I pray that there are going to be some things we'll talk about or think about maybe you haven't talked about or thought about in a long time or ever. And I believe God's word is going to challenge and encourage us today. God's way works, the 10th piece of the chair. We've looked at a lot of history. We've looked at science. We've looked at prophecy. We've looked at a lot of the first century. We've looked at archaeology. We've seen a lot of things. But at the end of the day, does God's way work? He designs all things and he says, here is what will work and won't work. Now, what's our experience in that? How does that work in our daily lives? This hits us at a deep level because here is a truth that you may not love up front if God's way works, that also means something else. It means that our way does not, right? Like the way that we just naturally would do things and accomplish things, then if God's way, whose ways are are way higher than ours, if his way works, then our ways are opposed to his ways so often. And so how do we line up with God's ways? We're gonna see that here Today we are open God's word up today, and and I I pray we're going to drink deeply from what God wants to say to our hearts and apply it to our lives and talk about this way of Jesus, this risen Savior. What happens when we surrender our lives to him? What happens when we submit our ways to him? What happens, listen, when we stop fighting his ways in our lives? That's what we're going to see here today. Some of you guys may be going, Doug, um, Last week, Pastor and Kathy shared, and Kathy kept saying, God's way works. As she was talking about what God did in their marriage, as she talked about God transforming pastor from a drug-addicted person to a pastor and minister of the gospel, she kept saying that phrase, God's way works, and she had no idea what I was talking about. I was like, Kathy, back it up a little bit. Like, Give me some space here for next week, right? But it's so powerful that this is the truth and this is the reality that so many of us could share about today. God's way works. And yet some of us are wrestling with that. So let's talk about it. If you're not a follower of Jesus, I pray as we discuss this, as I talk about some things in the scripture today, as I talk about some life experience that you might think about opening your heart up to Jesus. So think about this question for you. Are there any ways in my life that I'm fighting God's way? Are there any areas of my life I'm fighting his will for my life? I'm, I'm working against what he says is good and true and right and, and for my best, even if it's hard. So let's talk about some of this here today, and how does God's way work? What are the things that we get because God's way works? Let's look at Psalm 16, one of my favorite chapters in the scriptures. Verse 1 says, protect me, O God, because I take refuge. Say refuge. Refuge. I take refuge in you. I'm going to give you a bunch of ways today that God's way works. First one is this. He is our refuge. What else can you take refuge in? Like, really think about that. In 2021, what can you take refuge in here and now? I think we distract ourselves with a lot of things. I think we distract ourselves with busyness or overwork or the obvious things like porn or drugs or things to numb out. Like We we distract ourselves in a lot, but what do we actually find refuge in? Rest, security, healing, safety. You see, We so badly need a God who says, come to me and let me be that for you. Let me not just distract you, but let me actually heal you. Let me do in you what you can't do in yourself and what none of these other things that you often look to can do for you. You know, so often I'll just need a little distraction. And that's okay sometimes. It's all right to sit back and just watch a funny show once in a while or enjoy a ball game or, or do those things. That's okay, right? But there are some times where I catch myself on a hunt for something just to give me some joy or some satisfaction in a moment. And I, I'll pick up my phone and I'll look and I'll scroll and it's well, the stupid meds are up to no good again. And, you know, I'm just, you know, scrolling through so many different things that lead nowhere good or healthy. And I'll just throw my phone Like, Lord, I need something so much more than this. And here is our God promising to be our refuge. I have a friend who lost both of his parents in the last 10 months. He just buried his mom last week. And then earlier this week, he texted me and said, Doug, I'm going through something hard. And I think about this guy, and I know something about him. I know he's gonna be all right. Why? Because this is a man who goes to God as his refuge. This is a man who seeks that rest, who seeks that healing, who seeks that help from his Savior. And I'm so thankful that God's way works because he tells us, come to me, let me be your refuge. Stop looking at all that other stuff. That's just distraction and half of it's gonna kill you. Just come to me, let me be your refuge. Verse two, I said to the Lord, you are my Lord, without you I have nothing good. Say good. Another way God's work, God's way works. He is our good. He is our good. I love that. He says, I have nothing good without you. Everything good in our lives is wrapped up in God. Everything good in our lives is wrapped up because Jesus is back from the dead. Now, somebody here is saying, but wait, Doug, there are people that I know that don't know God and don't believe in Jesus, and they would still say they have good things in their life. Yeah, that's because there's this beautiful thing called common grace. Common grace is the grace that is given to every person because Jesus is alive even people who don't know them. Every sunset you've ever seen, the car you drive, the car your parents sometimes let you borrow, the uh, funny situation that you were laughing about earlier today, the food you're gonna eat on the way out of here today, the friends you have, the loved ones you have, a turkey on a table on Thursday, all of that is because God is good, because of common grace. He's poured it out on all of us. My kids have friends in our neighborhood, And when their friends come over and it's dinner time, we don't sit at the table with all of them and give only my kids some dinner. We give all the kids dinner, but they're not my kids, but they're all getting dinner. It's common grace. It's common cereals, right? Right there. And you know, just like that, God is looking to you and I and going, I've got good for all of you. And The thing we have to grab a hold of here, seeing that God's way works, is if he is our good and in him is all our good, then the closer we are to him, more of his goodness we enjoy. God speaks this into our lives. He speaks this into our relationships. He speaks this into our soul and says, be near me. We're going to explore that a little bit more. But so far, we've seen that God's way works, man, because he invites us to be Uh, resting in his refuge, and because in him is all of our good. Let me, before I move on, just throw one more angle at this idea of God's goodness, and it's this. What if one of the things that David means here is that apart from God, we have no good, even in and of ourselves? Sometimes we think, maybe you're here today thinking this. Man, if I could just get myself to a level of goodness, then God will want me. See, the good news is that you and I Don't have that good to offer. And that sounds offensive. I spoke with someone recently and they were like, I don't like that you say, Doug, that I don't have good in me. Well, the the truth is, is what a relief you and I get to sit back and rest in Jesus and what he's accomplished for us and say, Lord, you carry me. I can't carry myself. I can't make myself good here. I'm not going to fix myself up, Lord. All my good is in you. And if you are not a follower of Jesus, I want to let you know no one else offers what Jesus offers. He says, I've come to not only give you good, but be your good, and be your righteousness. We're going to explore that word in a couple of weeks in some of the Christmas services, but this idea of God coming and giving us good, and being our good, and filling us with his goodness in a way we never could, and that's why we need Jesus alive. That's why we need all the evidence coming together, supporting us, and holding us. Let's go on. Verse 3. Those who lead holy lives on earth are the noble ones who fill, fill me with joy. Let me pause there for a minute. If you and I are living a noble life or a holy life, it's because of what I just said. God has empowered us to do that. So if you're here today going, well, I don't live a holy life or a noble life, well, Jesus can do that in you and through you, okay? So just to clarify that, but let's go on. Those who quickly chase after other gods multiply. Say multiply. Multiply their sorrows. Why does God's way work? Number three, he warns us that sin leads to sorrow. See, if God set this all up, And he said, this is what is good for you and this is what is bad for you. He is so good to us to warn us that there are certain paths that lead to death and brokenness. He says, don't go that way. I have so much better for you. Like a parent who loves a kid who is going to protect that child from going somewhere that's going to be deadly to them. He says, don't go down that path. That's going to lead to sorrow. In fact, it's not just going to lead to sorrow. It's going to, say it again, multiply, multiply your sorrows when you chase after other gods that's what sin is. In the Bible there were literal gods. One's name was Baal, another one's was Dagon. And these were gods that these these people would chase but but for you and I it's it's a lot of the things I said earlier it's it's just numbing out in all kinds of ways. It's maybe the porn or the, or the drug, or maybe it's just hate in our heart, or maybe it's chasing some you know, fame or some success that costs us everything else in our relationship with God and, and all the things we care about in life. But chasing after those things always multiply our sorrows. We've all seen that's true. We've seen that when we chase anything Besides God, with all that we are and we replace him with those things, man, it leads to such brokenness. I went to college with one of my best friends. We grew up together. We were inseparable. If you said one name, the other name followed. If you saw one of us, the other person was usually right behind. We were inseparable. This was the guy who I probably did about a thousand SNL-style skits between uh, church youth group and Christian school chapel. We rode a motorcycle down an aisle in one of the chapels. Uh, This was the guy who was with me uh, when we were like seniors in high school. One in the morning, we're driving in 495 and the cap of my truck, like the big cap that goes over the back of your your, your truck bed, flew up in the air, went flying off on on 495, skidded across the highway. There's like all kinds of sparks flying across. We jump out and go pick up the cap and put it back on the truck. This is the guy who was sitting on uh, maybe a day or two after Christmas on on his couch in the den with a bunch of friends hanging out and he had gotten a BB gun for Christmas and he thought it would be funny to kind of pretend that he was gonna shoot out the glass door with it. Oh, to his surprise, there was a BB in. And the gun in the doors shattered. This was that friend that we just did everything together. And I'll tell you what, we believed with all of our heart that going to college was going to multiply our joy and our fun until I started to chase after other gods. And I multiplied my sorrow. By Christmas break, we hated each other. He'd moved out. We got to a place where, well, for me personally, I was the most sad I've ever been, the most depressed I've ever been, the most insecure and jealous I've ever been. And guess what that season led to? My multi-year struggle with whether Jesus was alive or not. Multiplied out my sorrows. And you can fill in your own story. We've all got stories. But one of the ways God's way works is when he warns us that sin will lead to sorrow and brokenness. Let's go on. Verse 5. The Lord is my inheritance and my cup. The Lord is. Everybody say is is my inheritance and my cup. He doesn't give me an inheritance and a cup. He is my inheritance and my cup. So what I want you to see here, God's way works because the Lord himself is a gift to us. He's the gift. He is a gift to us. Some of us came out of this pandemic without a loved one, without a job, without a dream that we once had, without expectations or hopes we once believed in. But here is the Lord saying, I will be the gift to you. I will be your inheritance and your cup. And in the scripture, an inheritance and a cup were like saying my portion in my life. David is here saying, God, you are my portion in life. You are my life. You are this great gift here to me today. God's way works because he himself is a gift to us. Can I tell you that no religion claims this? There's no one else who says, let me be a gift to you. Let me be to you what no one else can be to you. Let me be your satisfaction and your joy. Let me fill you up with good. Let me be your refuge. There is no one else who offers this. Jesus alone is our gift. Let's go on. You are the one who determines my destiny. Your boundary lines mark out pleasant places for me. Indeed, my inheritance is something beautiful. Why does God's way work? Because he leads us to pleasant and beautiful things. Now, some of you are really struggling with that statement. I feel like God's led me to broken things and painful things. David, what are you talking about? He's led you to pleasant and beautiful things. Isn't this the guy whose father-in-law tried to what? Tried to kill him. Isn't this guy whose son tried to take his throne? And here is David saying, God, you've led me to beautiful things and pleasant places. How can you say that, David? Because it's true. Even though there's hardship and brokenness, there are still so many beautiful and pleasant places that the Lord leads us to. This is such a huge concept for me. As I've been wrestling through emotional pain and some deep sadness and some anxiety and fear in these last seasons, probably largely from what I went through, there are so many times I just have to stop and say like, David, but Lord, you've led me to so many beautiful things. There are pleasant places that you've led my life to and my family to and our church to and and even our world to. There's been so much pain and brokenness, but Lord, there are so many good things that you've done and I've got to get my mind and my heart around those things. God's way work, because he does lead us to so many of those things. And what I love about David is he is so real about both the broken places and the beautiful places, isn't he? So in the same psalm, he'll say, Lord, where are you? Have you forgotten me? But Lord, you are my hope and my refuge and my strength, because that's the world we're living in, right? This is the, the tension that we're walking in every day of our life, is that there's some brokenness, but man, there is some beauty. As some of you are wrestling through a statement like that. And what I want to encourage you to do, and I've got a lot more to say about this in, in a few minutes, but we've got to start to really focus in on the beauty and the pleasant. We've got to start speaking those stories out. We've got to start writing those things down. We've got to start making them the lock screens on our phone, just some of the good things God has done. Number Verse 7, I will praise the Lord who advises me. God's way works because he advises you. Who advises you? I don't know who you're listening to. Maybe you're listening to one of the news stations. Stop listening to the news (laughs) stations. You're just going to curl up in a ball, right? Maybe it's a coach. Maybe it's a friend. Maybe it's a parent. Maybe it's a a mentor or a boss. But the Lord wants to advise you. What does he want to advise you on? How about finances, relationships? Direction in life, calling, purpose, parenting, marriage, boundaries, health, peace, joy, satisfaction. He wants to advise us on all of these things. God's way works. Let's keep going. My conscience warns me at night. I always keep the Lord in front of me. When he is by my side, I cannot be moved. Say, I cannot be moved. That is why my heart is glad and my soul rejoices. God's way works because he makes us immovable. Immovable. That does not mean you will not get hit, but you now become immovable. When I was younger and my kids were little, I would get down on the floor in the den, and they would attack me. They would come after me. They would, you know, throw their bodies at me, jump off couches, and I was immovable. Now I'd be dead. But (laughs) then I was immovable. They have grown substantially. No matter what force, no matter what exertion they came at me with, I didn't move an inch. I, the best was when they'd come at you running, you just put your hand on their head and they're there swinging and they can't get any closer and movable. And you know, the Lord wants to do that for you and me. He wants to make us immovable so that the exertion that comes against us to move us, to knock us down, to help us lose, cause us to lose our way, none of that force can move us because He is holding us. He is our refuge. We are enveloped in who He is, and we therefore cannot move. You know that there are tons of people, agendas, and spiritual forces trying to move you, right? trying to move you off of truth, faith, morality, holiness, God's way, and here's the Lord saying, I will be the immovable force in your life. Watch how I hold you. I love the next part. My body rests securely. God's way works because he is our security. I was talking with one of the biggest guys I know, one of the physically biggest, most jacked guys I know. Yes, me in the mirror, of course. Now, I was talking, this guy, I mean, he's just huge. And about a year ago, we're having a discussion when the whole world was like going super crazy. And in him, I sense such fear because here is this big guy who could and should be able to do whatever he wants, intimidate whoever he wants, control whatever he wants, and he had zero control anymore. But here's a God who says, just come to me, let me be your security. I will hold you, and I'm going to surround you in the midst of all that you're walking through. And I love that it says, my body rests securely, but then there's a because. You ready? Let's go into the next verse. My body rests securely because you do not abandon my soul to the grave or allow your holy one to decay. Now, this is a great verse. It's encouraging. It means partly that you and I will be raised to life with Jesus when we die. But that's not all it means. You see, our bodies can rest securely, and the rest of this chapter is true because that verse is not talking specifically about David or even you and me. Does anybody know who it's talking about? Jesus. This is a prophetic verse. In Acts chapter 2, after Jesus has been killed and then raised back from the dead, Peter talks about this verse. He says this verse is about Jesus. Jesus' body would be placed in the grave, but it wouldn't be abandoned. It wouldn't ever come to a place of decay. Jesus would be raised back from the dead. Then you fast forward a bit in Acts 13. Paul brings up the same idea And they both talk about how David's body would perish in the grave, but Jesus would be raised back, and he would live, and he would do for us what David could never have done and what we could never have done. And so God's way works because he alone was crucified and raised back, and all the things we're talking about today are true of us and true of God because he raised back from the dead. This series is hinged on an empty tomb and a resurrected Savior who, listen, wants to be your good and your refuge, the one who advises you, who warns you and I against sin and the sorrow that it leads to, who wants to be the one that makes us immovable. And let's get to some other things. Verse 11, you make the path of life known to me. Complete joy is in your presence. Pleasures are by your side forever. I love that verse. It's one of my favorite in all of the Bible. You wanna know how God's way works? He shows us the path of life. Life for salvation. Life for how we get to heaven and we get to be with Jesus forever. But listen, this is so important. Life for here and now. Why do you think Pastor and Kathy were on the stage last week? They were here to show you that God's way works. They were here to show you that miracles and changed lives are powerful evidence that Jesus has risen from the dead. They were here to show you that when you surrender your life that he is gonna say, let me then show you what life is. Let me show you what real life is. I love that it says there's joy in his presence and pleasures are by his side forevermore. Why do you think I tell you? To read your Bible so much? Why do you think I tell you, be here on a Sunday? Why do you think I tell you, join a community group, go to 440 Men, go to Deeper, go to Youth Group, get down to our kids' ministry, uh, pray and seek God? Why do I tell you all the things? Because that's where pleasure and joy are. It's by God's side. Now, some of you are going, Doug, I have an experience that I've read the Bible and I fell asleep, I didn't find pleasure. I I tried to pray. I didn't know what to say. I sounded stupid. Can I encourage you? Two things. First off, we are so here to help you. We have people on staff whose job it is in life to help you understand how to read the Bible, to pray, and to connect with God. Please let us help you. Reach out if you don't know how to do those things. But secondly, sometimes we just have to keep trying. This might be a good illustration or a really bad one depending on who you are some of us, it took us a while to realize that going to the gym was actually fun. Some of you are like, Doug, you lost me, okay? <laughs> but some of us, we went the first time, and it was like, this is death. Like, I never want to come here again, you know? Given, like, the guy at the door who checks you in an attitude just for being there, you know? Then the next week, you went again. And you're like, all right, this is all right. Next, next week, you're like, four, four or five weeks in, you're like, I am going to tear this gym apart. Like, you're just so excited and into it, and some you just had to keep doing it. For some of you, it's not that, okay? It's some hobby. Your friend was like, dragged you to some, like, thing. You didn't even want to go, and now you're there, and you can't believe you're there, and you're making, like, a swan out of glass or something, and next thing you know, you're making the swan every week. Like, you, you fell in love with the swan making, right? I don't know if that's a thing or not. I just made that up, but... <laughs> Some of you guys, your buddy dragged you to golf and you hated it. The first time I played golf, I lost 35 golf balls, okay? You're not supposed to have a low count of golf balls at the end, just a low score, I think, is how it's supposed to work, right? That's supposed to actually run out of them. But just pushing through, some of you guys have found extreme joy and pleasure in something because you simply kept doing it, even when at first you didn't like it or it felt dry, or it felt boring. But so often, the things in life that are valuable and good and worthwhile are uphill, aren't they? They're upstream. And we've been swimming upstream. And some of you guys got to keep swimming upstream in your relationship with God because you're going to keep growing. And man, you're going to see that God's way works. You're going to see there's pleasure and joy by his side. A lot of you guys know who Chris Pratt is, really famous actor, probably one of the biggest actors out there right now, and he is a follower of Jesus, and recently on social media, he just wrote a post about how he was going through just a really difficult time, and he was feeling really down, and he just pushed himself. He got out into the woods, and he went for a jog, and he had worship music playing, and he came back different, and that's just what so many of us experience, isn't it? You know, one of the things that my family has, in this last season, uh, enjoyed is our dog, and um, some of us in the family more than others, but especially when it gets cold, both the blessing and the curse of the dog is that you have to take them on a walk. You have to take them outside, and the, the, the curse part is that it's freezing last night. The blessing part, though, is that I'm outside now. And I'm looking at a moon behind all these clouds and there's just this cool kind of like fog and the trees are just illuminated down like the shadows onto the grass and I'm looking at that awesome little stream near the house and man, there's some pleasure in that place, there's some joy in that place that I don't find on the couch looking at a screen or looking at a phone. There's something that takes place there in God's presence that's just different. God's way works, and so he says, how about you let me tell you about life and salvation? How about you you let me tell you about the joy that's by my side? How about you, you let me show you the pleasures that are near me? Tenth piece of the chair, God's way works. Some of you are still objecting to that. We'll get to it in just a minute. But here's what I think a picture of surrender toward God in this season looks like. Because there's some of us in the room watching online that we just have places in our lives that we're still like holding back from God or or we're fighting him on and he's trying to free us and he's trying to help us but we're, we're kind of taking shots at him. And so our dog Chewy, he somehow gets into some bush or tree or something that has all these like sticky things that get all over his fur. And he'll come inside with like 976 sticky things all over his fur. And when I figure out which plant it is, I will eradicate it from the earth. (laughs) But he comes in and we hold on to him. And my wife and I will just sit with Chewy on our lap for like an hour, picking out these sticky things that would hurt him and harm him and cause him pain. But the interesting thing about Chewy is that he doesn't realize what we're doing is for his good and that our way works. And so what does he do at first is he's biting at us and he's clawing at us and he doesn't want us to continue to do this. But as Kelly and I reassure him and we continue to gently remove those things that are so painful, what we noticed was he actually fell asleep. And there he is just laying on our lap, and we're just pulling another little painful, sticky thing out of that fur until they're all removed. And I just think that's such an image for you and I today, that we would learn to rest in the Lord, even when he's removing some of those painful things, that we would work with him and we would allow him to do in us what we can't do for ourselves. Some of us have been running around with all kinds of sticky, painful stuff sticking out of our skin for a long time and we've been fighting the Lord and here he is saying, my way works, just come to me and allow me to remove it, rest in me. It will be painful, right? It might be difficult, but it is gonna be so worth it and you're gonna be so much more healthy on the other side. God's way works, but what about those objections? What about you who could not say or type into the chat today, God's way works? I used to think that, my parents told me God's way worked, worked for them, I don't know what's working for me. I believed God's way worked and then everything fell apart. God's way worked and then it didn't. What do we do with that? Well, two things, first, there will be times in our lives when it feels. Everybody say feels. It feels like God's way doesn't work. There'll be times when the relationship fell apart. It wasn't supposed to if God is God. There'll be times when the circumstances took a nasty turn. It wasn't supposed to if God was God. There'll be times when you feel like you aren't enjoying the pleasure and joy by God's side. All those will be very real feelings at times. The people in the scriptures are clear that those are feelings they experienced. Just ask some of the prophets about some of the emotions they experienced. Ask David, ask really any of the disciples about some of the emotions of what they felt through when Jesus is laying in a tomb. There are times when it doesn't feel like God's way works. But if I polled the room and the online audience right now, my guess would be that 90% of us who know Jesus for any length of time would look back and say, there was so many times when it felt like God's way wasn't working, and it really was. He really was still working. And there's a portion of you that I have to talk to, and this is really important. For some of us, it has felt like God's way didn't work, Because another person was involved who wasn't submitted to God's way. That's really important. Sometimes we we think God didn't do it, but it was really the decision of another person involved. And I want to encourage you that God can still bring beauty out of that situation and or replace it with a new beauty. And we have to learn to look back to the Lord and get our eyes off a person that made a really bad decision and say, Lord, I'm going to look back to you. Why did Pastor and Kathy's story work? Why did God put that relationship back together? I think it's because both of them, the two people involved in that brokenness said, Lord, we're here. We're going to be chewy for a while. We're going to lay on your lap and you take out of us whatever you got to do and you put in us whatever you got to put in us and, and you make it work. So sometimes it feels like God's way doesn't work when in fact it it is working or another person is causing there to be some upheaval but the Lord who works all things for good, amen, is still gonna turn things for our good not dependent on another person. The second thing is the truth that God's way works doesn't mean you won't go through hardship. When I was in the hospital it was the hardest time of my life, and yet God was there, and he was working. He was letting me feel his presence. He was filling me with grace. He was saving my life and healing my body and working a great miracle, and he was using me in the lives of other people. He was encouraging me to reach out to nurses and doctors, and doctors and nurses were reaching back out to me. In fact, I just talked to someone after service who knows one of the doctors who cared for my case that I didn't even know this was, this was um, someone that was in contact with them, but she said, every single time that they see that doctor, he says to them, he never should have walked out of that hospital. He never should have walked out of that hospital. But God was doing something. And, you know, I have to continue to trust that. I have to continue to trust that. This morning at 4.30, I woke up, and I was back in the hospital. It was the weirdest thing. It was like, I, I, this hasn't happened to me in months, but I woke up, and all of a sudden, it was like, oh, my gosh, I just went through all that. And there I was, and, and, and I have to continue to trust, okay, the Lord was working something, and he was doing something special, and he was doing something that I couldn't have seen, but I'm going to trust him, and I'm going to rest in him, and I'm going to be secure, knowing that he has me, and knowing that his way works. A few weeks ago, I wrote on social media, so forgive me if I'm telling you something you already heard, but I wrote that as I was getting ready for work, I I looked in the mirror and just caught a glance of myself, and I I said, what was that? And I I saw this area right here where there was a chest tube in my side. It was a scar, really the the most prominent scar that I have on my body from what I went through. And and I was just amazed in that moment that that area of my body that had had all of my attention for uh, at least a month was now me looking in the mirror going, what's that? And I was thinking about how many, how many times in our lives are we so focused on something, something so painful, something so difficult, we can't get our minds on anything else, that that the Lord, you know, in time, and and the way he brings healing, and the way he touches, gets us to the point where we look back and, "Wait, wait, remind me what that was again. Remind me what that was. Remind me what... That, that tremendous pain. All I could think about was that tube for a month. Every time I moved, I had to move it with me. I, I was allowing it to sit there for so long to remove the, the, the um, liquid in the air that was crushing my right lung. And it, and it had to be removed so I could breathe again. And, and I, then I sat there for weeks waiting for this tube to be removed so I could go home to my family. And it was all I could think about. But then there was the day where I walked out, there, there was the day where Healing continued. There was the day where I looked in the mirror and said, what what was that? And I just wonder about the things in all of our lives right now where it's all we can focus on, what what the Lord is going to be doing to continue to bring healing to us. And I got to remind you that this chair, what this chair is all about is not just the moments here and now where we look in the mirror and go, what was that? This chair right here, the evidence coming together that Jesus can be trusted, the resurrection, the 10 weeks, it is all about eternity. It's all about heaven. It's all about the day when you and I have no scars. But there's one in heaven who carries the scars. His hands, his feet, his side. Though my scar on my side will be gone, his scar on his side will remain because he purchased us to make us his own. What have we seen in 10 weeks? We've seen that the evidence points to God. We've seen that truth and power are found in Jesus alone. We've seen that the sacrifice and substitution of Jesus in our place is the story of the whole Bible. We've seen that the prophecies and fulfillments of the prophecies are powerful evidence that Jesus died and rose again. We've seen that the eyewitnesses, their death, the the way they were willing to be beaten and endure horrible things and say Jesus is still alive, that's powerful evidence that Jesus is alive. We saw that what the Bible says about Jesus can be trusted, those 24 reasons about what the New Testament says about Jesus can be trusted. We saw the transformation of the first century and the message of Jesus spread far and wide. We saw the history, the historical writings outside of the Bible. And last week we saw miracles and changed lives, or powerful evidence that Jesus died and rose again. And today we just simply see that God's way works. If you're a follower of Jesus, I pray your faith is strengthened. I pray you're ready to share it with somebody else. If you're not a follower of Jesus, I pray today you might think about looking to him. Let's pray. God, we're grateful. Lord, you've given us so much. And God, we're going to approach you in a bunch of different ways now. If you're a follower of Jesus, can I just ask you to maybe approach the Lord in one of these ways? Maybe some of you need to just say, Lord, come be my refuge right now, Lord. God, come be my good. All my good's wrapped up in you. Some of us need to say, God, I've been chasing after other gods and my sorrows are on their way to being multiplied, Lord. Some of us need to say, Lord, advise me. Lord, make me immovable. Lord, teach me about life and salvation. Lord, be my joy. Lord, be my pleasure. Lord, be my great gift, my inheritance, and my cup. Approach him how you need to approach him today. If you're not a follower of Jesus and you want to put your trust in him, I'd love for you to pray with me now. You could just say something like this, Jesus, thank you for dying for me. Thank you for showing me your love today. Thank you for your forgiveness. Thank you that your way works. Today I surrender. I lay myself down and say, God, have your way in my life. Thank you for your forgiveness and your mercy before we open our eyes if you prayed that for the first time today it would be awesome if you just shoot me a glance real quick you don't have to but it'd be so cool we could just celebrate a little bit what God is doing anybody here today that's so cool awesome to see you thank you God anybody else today if you did it online encourage you just write in there I gave my life to Jesus in the comments Lord we thank you for the lives you're saving today and we submit ourselves to you